Guys of a Certain Age is brought to you by no one. Absolutely no one. Except these dudes walking down memory lane. Now let's head to the studio to see what they misremember next. We're back on your AirPods, your iPods, your whatever pods you've got. Guys of a certain age, Robbie Koblenz in studio alongside Art Shirley. And Jay Reed. He's back. back. Jay Reed is back. We're we're Jayless no longer. So or Kayla's no longer. What did we decide? That's like a Klingon phrase. We've got to come up with a Klingon phrase of what Jayless means. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Please yeah. Somebody translate for us. Somebody translate for us. So how are you guys doing? Doing okay. Doing yeah. good. Doing how good. how were your how how was the Winnebago in Maine? It was awesome. <laughs> was it really talk about going from seventy five degrees and breezy and then landing back in Mississippi at was you know ninety something in a wall of humidity. It was quite great. Was it a rude awakening? Yes, very much. Yeah. Did you see Stephen King at any point? I did not see him, but on the way to the airport to pick us up, my in-laws went by his house, and there's this apparently some big tree that he had carved, and it's got elements of all of his stories in it, so I hate that I missed that. That's kind of creepy. But uh, they did go by. He has like a really cool gate in this tree that you can see. Wow. It's kind of like Anne Rice in New Orleans, you know. I've been by her house too. Have you? Yeah. Have you been to her? She used to do a Halloween party that anybody no. was invited to. I heard about really? it. Though. Yeah, wow. you can just walk That's up. That's cool. Some yeah. friends of mine lived around the corner from her, so I heard so about she's the still there. Yeah, I think she is. You know, they're rebooting in, Interview with the Vampire. I think oh, it's I didn't know be that. An AMC series. Okay, little bonage, bonus, bonus, bonage, geekage, bonage. All right, let's do geeks of the week. Jay, what do you got? You promised neither Art or I had this one, so yeah, yeah. And, I, and there's a there's a there's a story before it. I realized something the other day how my geeks of the week compare with y'all's. Oh, you're just now getting that. <laughs> well, it's, I've got a I got a little metaphor. I'm going to bring a metaphor into it. Okay. You know how like somebody buys What's a, a car. Metaphor. <laughs> Sorry. Is that schoolhouse rock? No, it was. Uh, What's the glory of living? Paul Davis, I think. Much forever for. Boy, oh, yeah, I okay. don't know any of that. That just went past. <laughs> I recognize right. it now. Okay, sorry. Thank you. So you know how like Thank you, you, for you guys are like, if you got a new car, that would mean that you went to the lot, you bought the latest model, and your car is new. You, nobody's driven it before. For yes. me, a new car is, it might be five or six years old. It's new to me. Right. So my Geeks of the Week, I've realized, are new to me. <laughs> But probably not to the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah. And this one, this week. You're the my, Carmax of geeks. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> wow. The yeah, so, so Melissa. J-Max. J-Max. Ah, I like that. I like there that. you go. Okay, sorry. We'll be quiet. So if my wife has an addiction, it is watching these little reels or like TikTok kind of videos, you know, just over and over on her phone. And she came across one the other day and said, you got to see this. And it was a life-sized Hot Wheels car. Oh wow! On an orange track. No kidding. And this this is from like ten years ago. I looked it up today, and he goes down the track and and jumps and sets some kind of world record. It was at, I want to say it was the Indy five hundred about ten two thousand eleven. So I looked it up, realized it's ten years old, and so kind of went around. And there's another uh, maybe a year later at the X Games maybe in L A. They did a race where there was two life size Hot Wheel cars that did the loop. And then I don't know. It wasn't a very long race, but they did actually did the loop. Did they the, survive the orange tree? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. And then now I guess because my original Google search was life size Hot Wheels, and there's a TV show. Now you have to get it's a Prime Channel, yeah. Motor Trend Channel. And you have to yeah. pay extra oh, for it. So yeah. I didn't watch the video, but but they've taken maybe twenty 
classic Hot Wheels cars, and they call it, I think, the Garage of Legends. So they've yeah. they've remade or nice. life sized all these cars, and I think there's maybe six episodes. Yeah. It's called Life Size on Motor Trends Channel. If you if you if you have that, but do y'all I, remember? I don't. If you had a favorite Hot Wheels model car, I didn't like Hot Wheels. You didn't like much. Hot Wheels? No, I didn't, I didn't have play a with it much, but I, I did. I did like. I them. still get one every Christmas. My mom has this little tiny uh, stocking, and that's become a. Do tradition. you remember Matchbox? Did you have Matchbox? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you sure it's a different one, or does she just take the one she gave? Well, I take them home usually and keep them. I've got a box full of them. Uh, so yeah, of course. Split and Image was my favorite, and they have a life size version of that. Do you remember which one that was? It looked a little bit like the Batmobile, and the, I, think I saw a picture the of the Five combined. It had two separate. You know, canopies that uh, riders or driver and rider would ride in, and it was like uh, green uh, metallic flake. Mm-hmm. Green. And so they had an engine in the, uh, you know, the exposed engine in the front. It was really really cool. And they've they've recreated that as a life size. Okay, so it's real cool. Yeah. So if you're in Hot Wheels, look that up. It's looks like it'd be fun. Yeah, that does sound cool. Art, can you oh, top that one? I cannot top that one. I don't think. Anyway, all right, well, that does it for us yeah, today. That's right. Thanks so much. Uh, Disney, we've talked about Scarlett Johansson earlier about uh, how she was suing Disney. Uh, she does not feel like, she felt like the releasing, same day release of Black Widow on the Disney Plus, even as a premium, was a uh, breach of contract, that they were supposed to release it only in theaters and that they uh, somehow robbed her of some money that, uh, that she was due. Um, you know, in all reality, probably, you know, given the, the surge in the pandemic, the recent surge, a lot of people weren't going to see the movie or weren't going back to theaters anyway. So, so it's hard to know whether or not they, they did. Uh, Disney claims that, you know, they did what was in best interest of um, the film and the shareholders in the movie and, and all that like that by, by doing a same day release. I think maybe by the terms of the contract, they probably should put it out in a theater and then released it at some point afterwards onto Disney plus What's it? What's the uh, yeah, premium access? Plus. Premium access. Premier. Yeah, yeah. Premier, Premier access. access. Okay, yeah. So uh, anyway, she sued them, and uh, that led to some other actors, possibly, and uh, producers and directors thinking about suing different companies for uh, same day release. Uh, but what's happened to Scarlett Johansson recently is that Disney has cut all ties with her. Uh, now, granted, there probably wasn't going to be another Black Widow appearance in the MCU or whatever, but she was set to, I think, direct and. Uh, producing star star in a uh, movie called tower of terror based upon the disney world that's right, right. yes yeah. uh-huh and uh which is based on the twilight zone and you know i believe that's what we talked about mm-hmm. we talked about that right earlier I think, yeah right? we did yeah so she's no longer atta- they're no longer producing that movie you know no. yeah so <laughs> no uh, film for you that's right yeah that's right so uh so that's the latest in what's going on with that particular saga but uh, it's very interesting it's uh you know and I, i'm not sure what she thought the repercussions might be but it's like hey no hard feelings about the whole lawsuit thing right we're still doing still doing that movie uh no no no, no. That's ouch right. yeah that's gotta hurt yeah a little bit yeah so it's it's Interesting again as we as we are recording this, we are starting to see numbers climb. You know, to numbers that even surpassed what happened last year with the the pandemic. So, you know, are theaters in trouble again? Are, are people going to stop going out to the movie? You know, instead. And so, we had thought we might. I really kind of thought Dune might be the last of the same day releases, at least for HBO Max. But I think we're going to be in this I, world yeah, for a while. I think we are. Yeah. I think we are. So. Wow, poor Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. You know, but that's life in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, you that's know, right. you yeah. And a lot I of mean, people found her comments uh, to be a little tone deaf in terms of, you know, it's like, does she not realize there is 
a nation, uh, a worldwide uh, uh, pandemic going on. Because uh, I think she pulled a pretty hefty salary package. I mean, she did. I mean, and again, they had already delayed release of the film twice. I think they were kind of, uh, or even more than that, maybe. But uh, it was uh, coming out a year after it was supposed to come out. And uh, I think they just their hands were tied. Now, granted, they might could have let it, you know, stay in the theaters for two weeks or a month before releasing it. Because I know a lot of people that said they saw it, they rented it or whatever you do with Premier Access, mm-hmm. and uh, and watched it that way rather than going to the theaters. We saw it in the theaters. Did anybody we, else? We, saw, we it saw it in the theaters. The theaters. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I noticed that uh, was it Shang Chi in the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh-huh, Shang Chi. Yeah, Shang Chi. Uh-huh. Man. Mm. Yeah, there goes a tally for Robbie and mispronunciations <laughs> today. Uh, is not being released on Disney Premier Access. Yes, uh, it's going to be theater only. To be yeah, that's so, September yeah. October. Yeah, it's you know? fairly close. Yeah, I think it's the next one, but it it's it still is a month the next one. Out. I think it's yeah. September. Yeah. So I wonder if Disney's like, hmm, okay, there may mm-hmm. be some merit to this lawsuit. We're going to do something a little bit different. So. Well, if, if numbers climb they may change their mind yet again and it we'll may see. be one of the things that they're setting uh, hopefully this isn't the case for the shang chi movie but um it may be that they're going to use this as an example of what happens if you don't do premiere yeah. you know like mm. hey look here's what the numbers were we actually made you some money yeah you know boom so we'll see uh, but we went song theater scarlet so please come on the podcast yeah. and talk That's to us about it um Staying in the Marvel universe, my geek is kind of is kind of in the the J realm because uh, we're going back to 1975 for my geek of the week. Oh, wow, this is wow. really cool. And this kind of uh, this kind of dovetails in the second half of the episode where I kick these guys out to the curb, and I have a conversation with my good buddy Roland Mann, who uh, um, was a comic book editor writer at Malibu and Marvel and whatnot. So um, he actually got to meet Stan Lee multiple times. Well. Um, came across this uh, this link earlier this week uh, to a audio um, radio classic type production of Ten Fantastic Four um, radio yeah. shows with so, Bill Murray as Johnny. Stone. If you don't think, <laughs> there's a reason I brought the bat in. No, sorry, I didn't realize. I yeah, was Bill Murray there. as as Johnny Storm. Yeah, and Stanley is the narrator. Uh huh. And have you heard these? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. Well, they're new to me. Jay, was that new to you? That was very new to me. Yeah, but not. You know, hey, look. If you go into the J realm, you run the same risk (laughs) that Jay takes every time he puts it out there. Oh, I guess so. I guess so. But you can get them at the uh, at the archive.org. Yeah. website and they're really pretty well done it they is kind of hilarious to hear bill murray you know because oh, you can recognize his voice and he's playing it straight nobody's nobody's really kind of camping it up too much but but stan lee is kind of a you know it's, there's a lot of fun involved in there it. is there is and we'll put the uh we'll put the link in, in the uh in the show notes jay put when you send the summary robbie all in caps robbie need link please okay so <laughs> All right, that's going to do have a feeling that's, yeah. I have a feeling that's exactly how it's going to go out. <laughs> I'm trying to do better. I'm trying uh, to do better for a post. Okay, all right. You guys be quiet. Listen to Roland and I, and the three of us will see you guys next week. But stay tuned for a really cool interview. I'm looking forward to it. And we're back on the podcast. I'm flying solo because I kicked the other two guys out. I am uh, sitting here talking to my old friend, Roland Mann. Roland, how are you today? 
I am doing very well, thank you. And and, and you? Uh, I'm hot. It's uh, you know we <laughs> we had a taste of fall for about uh, 72 hours. It, you, know, you got up. It was like 62 degrees in the morning. Now it's back to surface of the sun hot. So, uh, so and, you know you know Robbie, I, I'm in Florida now, right? I, so yeah, yeah. Uh, and and when when I first came down here, everyone told me, "Oh, you're gonna hate it's the humidity. You're gonna hate it." I'm like. I'm from Mississippi. You don't know the kind of humidity we have there. And uh-huh. I kid you not, the humidity is far worse in Mississippi than it is here in Florida. Because you've but, got, but, you've but got Floridians think it's bad. Yeah, that's exactly – that is exactly it. There is uh, – 99% of the time we've got a, a, a breeze, at least a little gentle breeze, you know. Um, yeah, the humidity is not not anything like what it is there in Mississippi. I, I, I can I can attest to that. All right, you you and I have talked for forty five minutes before I rolled here. We could go for a couple hours. So, uh, for uh, for you guys playing along at home, Roland and I have known each other for oh twenty five years at this point, and mm-hmm. you've heard us talk about Roland a few times. He is our uh, he is our our into the comic book industry. So, uh, Roland, let's get back to the beginning. Talk to me about how you got into comic books and your first job in the industry. Okay. Well, I, I think I, I kind of have to start before it's like how before I got into oh, working yeah. in comics. Uh, yeah, that's what got me into them. So, so I will tell you this: I was not a reader as a as a kid. Okay, I, I I was I was an outdoors kid. I wanted to be outside. I would go to school. I would come home, and I would you know I would play in the dirt with my with my you know my Star Trek figures and my army men and my BB gun. You know, I did not want to read. I did not want to study. As a result of that, I began to fall behind in school, mm. uh, particularly in reading. And uh, my mom, being the being the, the my mom is an avid reader. She can read so I, I e- even as much as I have done to the I still cannot read as fast as my mom. My mom is a, just a super fast reader. She just gobbles stuff up, right? Um, but she was, you know, she 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 was seeking ways to get me, you know, as a good parent should get me. Hey, how can I get this, you know, ragheaded kid to 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 study? And uh, one day in the grocery store, you know, the comics used to be on spinner racks and in, and you know grocery stores and things like that. One day in the grocery store, I'm standing there with her. I used to go shopping with her all the time, and I'm like, oh look, it's a comic book, right? I'm like, mom, can I have it? Can I have it? And I, you know, I'm seven, eight, nine, something like that. And in her brilliance, on the spot, she says, I'll buy this for you on one condition. And, and you're a parent. You know how kids are. They're always, it doesn't matter if they really want it. They're like, ooh, can I have it? Can I have it? Can I have it? Right? Yeah. So in, in her brilliance, she said, I'll buy it for you on one condition that you read it, and then you tell me about what you read. Oh. And I'm like, okay, absolutely, mom. I will, I will absolutely do this. And uh, so she bought it for me, and I took it home, and I devoured it. And it had all these uh, all these characters in these colorful costumes, this dude called Captain America. Who the heck is he? He's so cool. Look at the way he throws that shield, you know? And, and, um, and of course, it ended on a cliffhanger. And um, I told my mom, I said, I, I don't know what happens. I want the next one. And 
lo and behold, we were at the grocery store not long uh, after that. And, I, you know, I find it and she says, I'll, you know, I'll get this for you on the same condition. And I'm like, of course, mom, of course. Right. And so uh, thus began my mom's uh, habit of feeding me comic books. <laughs> wow. Not broccoli, so, not green beans, comic books, comic books. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so I, I did, and she she would buy them for me very regular. Uh, we would go, listen, uh, God love my mom, man. There there came a point in time I'd been reading for a, a year, and I couldn't find the next issue of Spider-Man. She got in her car and drove me to different convenience stores oh, wow. so I could look through the – so I could flip through the racks and find that issue of Spider-Man. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, very much so. And so so that that um, of course turned me around in my reading uh, in school. Uh, reading comic books led to reading science fiction. I you know, I fell in love with people like Ray Bradbury and and uh, you know, some of the some of the classic science fiction Jules Verne um, led me to, you know, Isaac Asimov and things like that. And so I became I became a reader. All right, so we've got you to reading science fiction, yep. you know, your mom has has put the medicine down with a little bit of sugar and yep, yep, you, yep. you're reading you're reading so go from so, there yeah so so you've met me you know I, i'm not a i'm not a small guy right I, i'm i'm you know i'm a quarter inch of a six four um probably not that now that i've aged a little bit <laughs> but you know you've as shrunk. a kid yeah i've shrunk a little bit yeah I and mean, i was as a kid i was always pushing six four uh so you know i was always um you know into athletics i was a you know ball player played football and and, and baseball and uh i played bat. i was on the basketball team but i was terrible i, I was the guy that the coach said uh, man come here See that guy? Yeah, coach, foul him. Okay, coach, I can do that. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't jump, couldn't shoot, couldn't dribble, but I could foul. Um, but you know, so I th that that was me. So I was never the stereotypical uh, uh, comic reading geek in school, mostly because of my size. Sure, I would. I would take comics to school absolutely and sit in the back of the classroom and I would read them. And some of the guys would poke fun at me, but it was never quite the peter parker kind of you, yeah, what, what you're saying is you never got bullied like the rest of us geeks is what you're saying <laughs> right yeah, yeah. i got picked on but i didn't get bullied yeah there you, you know go. And, and i think there's a difference I, I absolutely think there's a difference uh, you know the guys made fun of me oh look roland's reading spider-man again you know and but uh, didn't you play uh didn't you play defensive end what what was your position in football? A, a tackle. I tackle. was a, a defensive tackle and an offensive tackle. Yeah, folks are going to make fun of a tackle like that. No, not in high school. No, you, you got uh, you got a pass there. So yeah, yeah. 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 So and, and I fully realize that. And, and and you know, I know I didn't realize that at the time. I just thought you know these guys are just picking on me. And, but and that was that's, you know that was part of what I was what drew me to, to Spider Man and that kind of thing. Um, but you know, I was so I, I I maintained my interest in comics, even though you know Stanley used to say that his his audience was uh, young young boys up until sixteen, mm -hmm. and they would always say, "Well, Stan, why do you lose your audience at 16? He would say, "Well, because at sixteen, boys discover girls and cars." <laughs> yep. Yep. You know, and so they stopped buying comics. Well, I discovered girls in cars, but I didn't give up my comics. I'm like, no, 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 I, I still like this stuff, you know. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, and so, you know, a a as many creative people are wont to do, 
I would, you know, I would spend my, I would go home and I'd spend my time and, and I would draw on a notebook paper, make it up my, they were stupid, of course, but making up my own stories with my own characters and some of my characters fighting against the Avengers, you know, and, uh, you know, I would create a Flash type of, type of character and, you know, they would race against the, my character and the Flash and Quicksilver. They would all race, you know, Marvel, DC and me, and they would all race. Mine would always win, of course. So, so um, this was the Roland extended universe is what you're saying yes yeah <laughs> yeah um and so i did that uh throughout high school and then as a senior i took a creative writing class and realized that i was probably better suited to write than to draw because my art was terrible uh i just you know I'm, part of my problem with art is that I didn't have the patience. Mm. Um, you, you know, if you're going to draw a page, a comic book page, it's going to take you hours to do. And, and we're talking, you know, a, 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 an average comic time. But today it's a little bit longer. But when, when I was an editor, an average comic time, you would expect the guy to do a page in six to eight hours. Mm -hmm. I didn't even have that kind of patience. I'm like, if I can't finish this page in 30 minutes, I don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you know so um so that's kind of what what drew me into the writing and then i started noticing the comic book writers at the time i started you know oh look who's this this steve engelhardt guy he's a guy who writes a lot of these comics that i actually like you know um and so i pay started paying attention to that and i knew i wanted to be a a, a writer specifically a comic book writer but i'm a first generation college student and no one in my family, you know, was like, how do I go be a writer? We don't know. Go do something else. Right. You know, and my dad actually said when I told him, I said, I want to be a writer. He said, how are you going to you know, how are you going to support your family? And I said, Dad, I have no idea. I, 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 I'm, I'm hoping you will tell me. And he's like, get a real job, you know. <laughs> and yeah. and it, now my, my dad wasn't doing it because he, you know, he didn't love me. He didn't support me or anything like that. He just said he didn't, you know. He, I come from a family of farmers and well, I say, I want to write It's like, well, that's not a real job. How are you, how are you going to make money doing that? You know? Mm -hmm. So, so his response was for, was from a place of love and say, you know, you got to take care of your family. <laughs> what, what's this writing stuff, you know? Sure. Um, and so I entered college as a computer science major. I, I I took uh, two and a half years of computer science because I thought I was going to go and be a programmer, something like that. But I learned, man, I hate math. Mm. <laughs> and so, uh, and, and apparently, math just does not like me either. And so, um, kind of, kind of uh, behind the scenes, uh, BJ was uh, she was my, my girlfriend at the time. Kind of behind the scenes, she said, "You should change your your degree to creative writing because you know that's what you want to do." Mm -hmm. And I said, "Yeah, but what's my dad going to say?" You know, because you know I, I'm I'm fortunate when dad paid my tuition. I and you know I didn't have any extra money, but he covered my my cost. I, I worked I worked in college, and so I you know. The whole time I was there, I had a job so that I could afford, you know, my car and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I still didn't know what I was going to do, dude. I still didn't know. I mean, I didn't know anybody who could, you know, I, I mean, in, even in the creative writing classes, all they taught me really was how to write literature stuff and that's not what interested me at all. I had some terrible experiences, you know, even trying to write science fiction. Um, but, uh, you know, so 
so I started submitting stuff when I was in college to Marvel in DC and uh, you know just rejection 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 probably most of it unread but um, when I was a junior down at Southern Miss I met uh, Stephen Butler who is a, a longtime friend of mine I, I saw a piece of his art and I'm just sat there and stared at it I'm like I don't recognize this character and and I, you know I know a lot of characters because I read a lot of comic books mm-hmm. and he was like oh I designed that character that's mine I'm like what and he's like yeah he goes I want to draw comics for a living I'm like how can I write comics for a living and so the two of us uh, got together a couple of times now I, I should also add a little asterisk this was right after the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were published. Sure. And 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 so, this, you know, this would have been 1986. And so there was a bit of a, an independent comic revolution going on. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the initial Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but... By uh, Eastman and Laird, I absolutely yes. do. I own, yeah. I own the uh, trade paperback. Very cool. Yeah. So you know that those first issues are not real... They're not kid friendly at all. <laughs> no, 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 no. They're absolutely not kid friendly. Yeah. Uh, they're not kid friendly, and, and they're really not that good. <laughs> yeah, don't don't bust my childhood a little bit. Don't well no. with my childhood. They they Listen. were an early independent comic book. Absolutely, and, and they showed that they were. They were an early independent comic book. Oh, listen! Don't don't mishear me. I I attribute my entry into the comic book industry to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They paved the way, okay? Um, because they led, they they were at the forefront of this independent comic revolution. Um, that's what kind of made me and Stephen, and he had a sweet mate, uh, Mitch Bird. Um, that's what we just decided, hey, we can't get anyone to, to pay attention to our comics. Let's just do it ourselves, right? Look, the, the turtles did it. We, we can do it, you know? Absolutely. And, and of course, there was, the, you know, that prevailing attitude for a lot of independence because, like I said, it was a, it was a black and white boom in the, in the late 80s. And so that's exactly what we did. We put together our comics. And here's the deal. So we put together our comics. We solicited it. Throughout, you know, the, back at the time, there was more than Diamond. There was about, uh, you know, 12 or 13 distributors. Mm-hmm. We got orders for 4,400 4, copies of the book. Wow. Now, what was the book? Cat and Mouse. Cat and Mouse. The original mm-hmm. Cat and Mouse. The original Cat and Mouse. We talked to a printer and we're like, ooh, that's a lot of money. We don't have that kind of money <laughs> because we had to print them and ship them, right? So this is in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. So Stephen and I, we put on ties and we go around to the banks in in, in Hattiesburg, Mississippi with our purchase orders, right, <laughs> yeah. from, from these distributors. And then we said, we need a loan. And we was like, we made a comic book. And here are our purchase orders, and we don't have the money to pay to get it printed. But if we can pay to get it printed, this is the money that we're going to get paid. So they could easily see we were going to make money. And, and, and Robbie, as much as I, I like Hattiesburg, and I, I tell you, this is the response. I'm, 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 I'm kind of paraphrasing all of them, right? Hmm, comic books. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't never given no loan for no comic uh, book before. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, how about a tractor? You want a, you want you want a tractor? Uh, no, sir. We need to print this comic book. We've got four thousand uh, ready to be sold. Money, right? Money. Yeah. <laughs> 
and, <sighs> I, and 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 dude we could not get along uh we we hit every every bank in town and 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 we could not get along because they looked at us like they had no idea what we were talking about yeah and so uh, unfortunately we had this you know kind of this is the days before kickstarter and all that kind of stuff so um so uh sadly we had to cancel the orders but what we did then oh. is we we photocopied all those order sheets we photocopied our comics and we sent them out to independent publishers again and we said, look, we got orders for these books. We don't have the money to print it. We need a publisher. Yeah. And um, so we hooked up with a guy out of uh, out of New York called uh, EF Graphics. Uh, EF Graphics published one book in color and then went out of business. They were printing some other books as well. And so we took that. We took the purchase orders. We took <laughs> we took all our co- and we sent it out again. This time we actually had some interest in in some of the uh, some of the more prominent independent publishers at the time. You know, a little bit of time had gone had gone along, and ultimately we we were picked up by Aircell that was owned by Malibu Comics, uh, and of course Malibu Comics is the company that printed uh, published uh, Men in Black. Mm-hmm. And they picked up uh, they picked up Cat and Mouse and. The rest, as they say, kind of is history for that. <laughs> wow. So you've got, I'm looking here, you've got Cat and Mouse number one, 1990 air cell, and mm-hmm. then you've got the EF graphics. You've got, uh, you've got number one A and number one B. Those mm-hmm. were 89. So those predate the air cell number one. Is that correct? Correct. That gotcha. is correct. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a, um, there's a color. So there's a color version um, that is, is uh, printed on newsprint. Um, and then there is a black and white version that's printed on a better quality paper. Um, now, now we never printed anything ourselves. Uh, and, and I know one of the things you asked me a little bit about Silverline is that we never printed anything ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were actually called if you if you go back and look at the the catalogs, we we're actually called we called ourselves Top Comics. Um, when that failed, uh, and we when we reached out to EF Graphics, we wanted to we we still kind of wanted to have some kind of um, you know personality. We we were a studio without realizing kind of what we were, um, and so EF Graphics said, okay, well, why don't you guys be Silverline Studios, and and EF Graphics will be the publisher. Well, we didn't like the studios part, so we just said, we'll just call us Silverline. Mm-hmm. We're Silverline, and we'll package the books, and you can publish them. Um, and then that, of course, that that same relationship then transferred into Malibu, and Silverline packaged several different comics for uh, for Malibu in the early '90s before I was uh, before I was hired as an editor. So, so Cat Mouse got you to Malibu. That yes. that was your that was your entry to employment, right? Right. Yep. Absolutely. So you, when did you start working for for Malibu, and were you able to keep Cat and Mouse separately as a creator? Um, yeah, Cat and Mouse had, um, so I started working for Malibu in 92. Um, and this was shortly after the first run of, of Cat and Mouse ended. Now we had planned to do a second run of, uh, Cat and Mouse. The, the, the plan was to come back with a series of mini series, mm-hmm. um, partly because it was, it, it, well, it still is right. It, it, but it was hard to keep an ongoing series going. And, and the idea was that, you know, for every fifth issue, we're going to get a new number one. One. So we'll do, you know, one through four is a story arc. Another one through four is a story arc. 
that kind of thing. So it was just going to be a series of mini series. Sure. Um, so when I got out there to California, though, um, unfortunately, they kept me so busy as an editor. I didn't write very many comics when I was there, when I was an editor. I wrote some and, and some fun ones, but um, my my output in the years that, that uh, I was at Malibu uh, was considerably less than my output in the couple of years leading up to that. Um, so that was one of the things that I was, uh, you know, that I was, that is probably one of my, o- my only unhappy points about being at Malibu. Otherwise I absolutely love Malibu. Um, but, but the silver. So, so what happened is, is because I'm packaging these books for Malibu, I didn't realize it, but I'm really a, a freelance editor, right? Sure. I, I'm I'm finding the writer. I'm finding the artist. I'm putting the package together and sending it to Malibu with in complete. It's ready to go, right? Um, and so I, that's really when they got ready to expand. That's really what they, you know, hey, you've kind of been doing this for us already. Why don't you just come on staff and be one of our editors? Um, and then you, and, and Malibu was based in L.A. Was that correct? Yeah, just outside of L.A. They were actually based in uh, Westlake Village. Uh, which is which is north uh, of LA, which is LA for all of us here in Mississippi for right. all of <laughs> yeah, exactly. purposes. Yeah, yeah. It, it's LA. Yeah. So so you guys <laughs> moved to California, right? We did. Yeah, we moved from uh, uh, BJ was in um, in graduate school there in Starkville. She was um, um, getting her master's degree. Um, we moved to Starville and, uh, we got married in 90. We moved to Starville in 91. Uh, and that's, you know, when I met some of the local comic, uh, folks there in, in, in Starville, I uh, used to go down to the, the copy cow all the time to make my, uh, my copies. That's when I met Dean Zachary, who, uh, I ended up hiring Dean Zachary when I got hired as an editor in California. He was one of my first hires. Um, but I met him because he was making photocopies. And I, I I saw his art and I'm I'm you know peeking at it and I'm like, you know, hey, it looks like you're you know it looks like you're photocopying some artwork. He's like, yeah, I, you know, I want to be a comic book artist. I said, well, I'm about to move to California to be an editor. You mind if I take a look? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, of course, Dean um, Dean is still he is he is still involved in Silverline today. So um, started started a long a long relationship. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. All right, so Malibu was purchased by Marvel because yep. you guys were doing some pretty cool things. So talk a little bit about that transition. You go from, you know, the independent vibe to a little corporate here in the in the yeah. early 90s. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So so I don't know how uh how how comic savvy a lot of uh, your your folks are, but like the first thing I want to do is um is clear up a a common misconception that you can find all over the internet even 25 years later um the common rumor uh which is incorrect is that malibu i'm sorry that marvel bought malibu for its coloring department um now it is true that malibu was was on the forefront of the the uh, coloring technology um we weren't the very first to do it i think that goes to to ali optics um, but we were you know, in the uh, uh, in the front. We were in the forefront. And certainly, we probably had uh, by the time Marvel bought us, we probably had the biggest coloring staff. We had 120 colorists 
at one point in time. Yeah. I mean, it was, and and we had the computers, uh, they would run 24 hours a day. You know, I don't remember how many computers, I guess if you 120 divided by three, you know, we, we literally, we had three shifts. They would come in eight hour shift, color comics, next group come in eight hours, color. We kept those computers, uh, uh, running all day long. Um, but that's not the reason they, they bought us. The, 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 the short version is this. Um, DC had been uh, – Malibu was the number three or four publisher in market share, um, depending on what – and I say three or four because that depends on what uh, Dark Horse published. If they published a Predator or an Aliens book, we were number four. If they did not publish a Predator or an Aliens book, we were number three. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny that's so funny. um yeah so so you know we were we were pretty uh prominent in market sh- market share behind uh marvel and dc and dc had been flirting with uh with malibu for about six months okay they had um they had been in the office uh, numerous times that we were actually going through a process and not very many people knew this but we were actually going through a process uh dc was doing the due diligence before they purchased us right well Marvel catches wind of this, and this is in the Ron Perlman days. Marvel catches wind of this, and and, and Ron Perlman literally, they tell me, it, it happened this quickly, but they tell me he heard about it, jumped on a plane, flew to Malibu, talked to our president, Scott Rosenberg, and said, what's DC offering you? I will double it. <laughs> and, and within two weeks, I was a Marvel employee. <laughs> <laughs> so it, you know it had nothing to do with the coloring department it, it had everything to do with with business um it was all it was all about we got to keep your market share out of the hands of dc because if you had added our our 10 11 12 13 to dc's market share at the time we would have dc collectively would have surpassed marvel mm-hmm. and um you know that's it's a business decision so it was just like nope we got to buy you up and keep you out of the hands of dc Wow. Yeah. So so I tell people here's the big difference, okay? So so Robbie, if you came to me when I was a Malibu editor, if you came to me and said, "Hey, Roland, I got this idea for this comic book." Here it is, right? I would say, "You, know, you get me on board, right?" I'm so, "Oh, cool, Robbie. I like that, man. Let, let let me take it to my let me take it to the 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 money people, right?" Mm-hmm. So I would I would take the pitch and they would uh they, they would ask me, here's a question that would be asked, right? And you got to listen carefully, right? The question is, can we make money on this comic? If the answer was yes, Malibu was inclined to publish the comic. Okay? Sure. Now, exact same scenario, but Marvel is now the owner. You come to me, I got a comic, blah, 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 I go. The question becomes, how much money can we make? Gotcha, gotcha. It's It's not a matter of showing somewhat of a profit it's a matter of economies of scale how profitable can we be with this particular title that's exactly it yeah and 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 that is really where i saw the change gotcha gotcha so do you think that stifled you a little bit creatively do you think it kind of i mean obviously it changed the culture of malibu it did yeah um, you know, I, I don't know that it, it, it that it, you know, create. I'm a believer that creativity flourishes uh, in 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 all kind of uh, situations. Um, you know, I think there are things that we could, yeah, we had kind of, you know, we had these corporate overlords that we kind of had to, to, but we, we were still making comics, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so, you know, yeah, we kind of 
have had to to try to ensure that we met certain um, sales targets uh, or or be canceled, but you know we're still trying to make the best comics that we possibly can. So, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't recall feeling, um, stifled like that at all. I, I, sure. I recall being frustrated at the, the hoops that we had to jump through now with, with Marvel that weren't there when, when Malibu existed. I, I remember being very frustrated at that. Um, you know, I'm I'm looking here over the list of comics that Malibu had in its stable, and you know, I did not realize that Eternity Comics was an imprint of Malibu. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a big Robotech fan. Oh and, yeah, <laughs> and so I would go to uh, I would go to my drugstore or convenience store looking for the latest Robotech uh, comic book. I had fallen in love with the. Uh, with the Carl Masick version of uh, that that ended up in syndication, but I didn't realize that uh, Eternity Comics, which had Robotech and Captain Harlock, um, mm-hmm. also Star Blazers, uh, was was a Malibu title, and yep. uh, love Star Blazers. In fact, I last week I actually looked up the original opening sequence to Star Blazers, and I was impressed that I could sing along at full volume and knew. <laughs> Every word. <laughs> We're off to outer space. Yeah. Anyway, so but did, yeah. did did you ever work on the Lita Ford Rocket comic? <laughs> now that you, you you're lobbing me a softball there, dude. <laughs> did you? So I did. I did. I wrote that. <laughs> did you? I, I just, wrote that. You wrote the Lita Ford Rocket comics. I did. I, had, I, I did. Had, I had no idea. I'm just no looking way. over. No Really? No, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a there is a picture of uh, uh, if you if you search uh, probably get on the Google and search Roland Man Lita Ford. Um, there is a single picture from San Diego Comic Con that has me, Lita Ford, and Jim Ballant signing autographs. Uh, that that is it, it is it, I'm almost unrecognizable because that's in my very long mullet days. <laughs> I found it. It's awesome. Oh, did you really? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, that's so, awesome. That's yeah, awesome. Did, yeah, that's me and Lita Ford's in the middle, and then Jim Ballant is the artist uh-huh. the, of the comic. Um, we were we were at San Diego uh, signing uh, signing autographs for the book. <laughs> that's hilarious. Did she say? Did she say? Draw me once. Draw me twice. Come on, pretty baby. Draw me deadly. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you know, it was it was an interesting process because um, obviously, you know, it's her book. She was in charge. And when when Malibu approached me, they said, now, here's the deal. Lita's got ideas. So we want to run with her ideas. We just kind of want you to write sort of what she wants to do. And I'm like, ah, you know, I can do with that. So I had phone conversations with Lita and she's like, you know, here's the story I want to tell. And she absolutely her dog, Chili Dog, that little the, that stupid little weenie dog. Right. Yeah. She wanted that dog to be in the comic, right? And I'm like, okay, it's your comic if that's what you want. Um, so that's why I've had people ask me before, why did you put the dog in there? I'm like, well, because Lita Ford said she wanted the dog in there. Because Lita wanted the dog. Oh, man, yeah. that's great. That's great. So so did you work on the Ozzy Osbourne book? I mean, what else I- I did not. I did not. But I did not work on Ozzy. Um, I did not work on any of the other uh, rock and roll comics. But I did get to meet uh, Geezer Butler. 
who is the uh, bass player for Black Sabbath. I have my picture uh, with him. Um, I don't think it's on the internet anywhere, but uh, I do have a picture. Uh, it was one of these things. I'm in the office. I've got this. Uh, you know, I work here's. I got to go to work in California as an editor in short pants and a t-shirt. Right, that's the way I went to sh- to work every day. And and you all saw my hair from the Lita Ford picture. I had my hair pulled back in a ponytail. I'm working. Someone says Geezer Butler is in the office, and I'm like, no way. They're like, yeah. I'm like, I got to get my picture taken. I've got on this t-shirt that has this this big fat butt on it that has <laughs> pants kind of pulled down uh-huh. and so you see this big butt crack and and the the words on the t-shirt says crack kills <laughs> <laughs> i'm, I'm hold, taking my picture in this on, and short on. pants sorry mrs reed i'm just gonna say that right now and roll on explain to you that off off microphone sorry mrs reed <laughs> All right, go ahead. Let me let me hear let me hear the rest of the T-shirt story. You know, so, I mean, that's just I mean, you know, I'm just I'm I'm standing there with Geezer Butler, and this is my picture of him as I've got this I've got this T-shirt that you know is not really a T-shirt I wear in public. You know? <laughs> and so I've got this picture of me and Geezer Butler. Oh um, man, yeah. Well, I went to a kiss party. Ooh, okay. Uh, I, I did. Uh, I got to, uh, and this was after Marvel purchases. Uh, purchases. Uh, we, uh, the the editors would go to New York every now and then to have editorial meetings there because you know, the main offices of Marvel were were in New York City at the time. And uh, one of the times we went up there, they had a, a kiss party for some comic that they they, they uh, we didn't do it. That was the, the the New York offices were doing. And um, I got to stand and talk to Gene Simmons for about five minutes. Nice. Um, I got to sh- uh, shake Paul Stanley's hands, and he had like two 18 year olds on on his, his either elbow. Of course. Um, so I met him. Um, I did not, but those were the only two I met. Uh, I, d- I don't recall whether any of the other band members were there or not. I, I, I I'm inclined to say I don't think so, but. Um, uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun getting to uh, get to meet um, those guys. Um, so and, so working for Marvel, yes. did you get to meet Stan the Man? I absolutely did. And Stan the, the Man Lee for those Stan of you guys the, playing along at home who don't know who Stan the Man was. <laughs> yep. Yep. Now I now, so I, I should backtrack a little bit. So I had actually met Stan briefly before. Okay. Okay. Uh, when when I was first getting into comics, I was a rookie, and um, I was at Dallas. I think I'd been working in comics for probably about a year and a half, maybe two years. So I had some comics under my belt, not many, but some. And I went to a Dallas uh, fantasy festival, and Stanley was there. That's when I got him to sign my copy of Avengers number two. And I stood, I shook his hand. I didn't have to pay for the photo op. I didn't have to pay for the autograph. I just stood there and talked to him for, you know, about 10 minutes telling him how much, you know, of an influence he was and, and, and that kind of thing. And it was, it was fantastic. Okay. Um, so, you know, I, I was able to leave that show going, man, look at this. I got Stanley's autograph and, and, and I was floating, floating high. So, so when Marvel bought us, our editor in chief, um, when, when they bought us, they were like, is there anything that you guys want from us? And our editor in chief said, yes, we want to have lunch with Stan. (laughs) Oh, 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 my goodness. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my goodness. And, and now Stan had already, by that point in time, Stan had already moved out of New York and he was in LA and he was more of a figurehead. They had kind of removed him from the day-to-day operations and, and he literally was just kind of a figurehead and trying to do some of the stuff in, in, in LA, right? But um but but yes, because of I will always be thankful to Chris Ohm, who was my editor in chief, I got to sit right beside Stan Lee for oh, about a three hour long you, lunch. You did not. I did. I, I rubbed I literally rubbed elbows with Stan. Um I, I, I had one of the choice seats. I don't remember who was on. There was about five of us that went to lunch with him. And uh, uh I got to sit right beside him. And, and and you know what? Someone said, well, where'd you go eat? I'm like, you know what? I don't know where we went to eat or what we ate. <laughs> I, I, I really don't remember, but I remember Stan telling stories for three hours. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, unbelievable. So, unbelievable. Yeah. Very you, much a highlight. And you still have that Avengers number two. I think you told me off mic that it's signed, obviously, from, from Stan and yep. framed in your in your living room. It is. Yep. I, I could. You could come visit me, and I can take it off the wall and show you. What's the What's the quality of of, of that issue? Not real great. I, I've never had it graded, but it's you know. I mean, it was my copy, so it's like you know. I'm like, I, I, in, in I wasn't. There, this was before slabs and all the grading nine point eights and all that kind of stuff. It, you know, it was it was kind of the best copy I could afford at the time, and I didn't have number one yet. I do have number one now, but I didn't have number one yet. So that was the oldest. Avengers I had that I could get Stan to sign. Oh man, so, unbelievable! All right, yeah. so we're going to pause here, and okay. guys, we're going to come back uh, next week with part two of this interview. Roland, can you hang on for a second so we actually have a part two? Absolutely. All right, thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next time around.